But now we don't have any value. Hey, it's your death sentence for this week. Uh, I'm here with uh, Sean of the Weird Signal podcast, which I'm reliably informed many of you already listen to, um, according to like our analytics and stuff, which I very, very occasionally actually look at. Um, and we're going to talk about something that isn't a book. Uh, I don't. I guess it's a text, which is. Well, we're going to start with um, a very silly piece of writing from uh, Mark Andreessen of Andreessen Horowitz, which you might have seen going around the internet. It's called the Techno Optimist Manifesto. Um, it's 9,000 words long. It, it does that kind of like very internet um, influencer kind of one sentence per paragraph writing style. It, it reads like someone's um, knocked him over the head and he's concussed now. It's utterly awful, ridden with cliches, um, filled with things like, um, it's like the technology is like a shark. If it stops growing, it dies. That's a, a line that absolutely, uh, absolutely did me when I heard it because it is. Um, I know. Like, like sharks don't just increase in volume. You know, the, the... <laughs> I mean, the, the Meg does. Well, yes, the Meg is uh, increased in volume more than really any shark. But, but the Meg is, uh, you know, sui generis, its own thing, though, isn't it? You can't, you okay, can't extrapolate fine. the example of the Meg to all sharks. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, sharks not being able to stop, otherwise they'll die, is like a cliche that everyone knows. And he's been unable to successfully employ one of the most basic cliches that you hear from like the worst um, Dragon's Den contestant. And it, it, yes, and he's meant to be a successful investor businessman as well. It's uh... <laughs> yeah, he, it, well, I mean, he so just for background on Mark Andreessen, so he invented the Netscape browser. Well, he was on the team that created the Netscape browser, which is for a Zoom audience is an old web browser that you would have maybe used in like 1997. Is um, that Netscape is the one that uh, Microsoft basically nuked for being too hmm. successful, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they successfully nuked it. Very few people actually ended up using Netscape because there was kind of no real reason why you should use it. The Internet Explorer did everything it needs you need to do. And nowadays, I don't think anyone really cares what kind of browser they use. There was, I'm, I'm sure there's some like Reddit dorks who care about Firefox versus Chrome, but you know, browser's a browser, who cares? Yeah. But I apparently there was, there was money in browsers at one point. I think just to be, uh, to be fair to Mr. Andreessen, uh, no. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to read uh, chapter two, Truth of uh, the manifesto, just to give everyone an idea of what we're dealing with. It will take me all of 30 seconds to rattle through. Our civilization was built on technology. Our civilization is built on technology. Technology is the glory of human ambition and achievement, the spearhead of progress and the realization of our potential. For hundreds of years, we properly glorified this, until recently. I am here to bring the good news. We can advance to a far superior way of living and of being, 
We have the tools, the systems, the ideas. We have the will. It is time once again to raise the technology flag. It is time to be techno-optimists. So much wrong there. Like, for 100 years, we properly glorified this. Was Blake not talking about dark satanic mills? Did Plato not have a whole thing on why writing was bad? <laughs> um, yeah, just... I'm here to bring the good news. This, he, he references Nietzsche a lot in this, and it's just like... 15-year-old boy who's read the Wikipedia entry for Nietzsche for the first time level of understanding. Uh, yeah, it's um something, a a, a, a double punch that I found genuinely very, very funny, well, completely not um, unintentional, is uh, one of the middle chapters is called Not Utopia, But Close Enough, which just... Um, um, should I... No, I won't bother reading anything from it. But yeah, but anyway, it just um, you know, just as you know, we know we're not going to achieve utopia. But you know, if we we're going to aim to getting you know, as close to you know, to make if you know the more we try to achieve like the high ideal, um, the you know the, the better we you know we'll drag everything up with us. This is immediately followed by the next chapter: becoming technological supermen. Um, Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I know that it does. Just yeah, I I don't want to beyond Mark Andreessen for so long because this, this is a, a dumb guy being dumb yeah um, the, the general Dunning-Kruger thing of all tech guys um, yes yes what all, I, what all I, he's saying I, yeah yes, the reason all, all... I wanted you on and wanted to talk about this text uh, in particular is because at two points he references Nick Land um, he quotes Nick Land directly at one of the starts of one of his chapters sections whatever and then at the end he has a little and he's actually removed this from uh the new version the original version which is on the andreessen horowitz blog as opposed to just the front page had a list of uh other techno optimists um the, the typical people you know, frederick hayek um thomas edison um a um a bunch of twitter um cryptocurrency shills uh, various people and nick land and um if you if you're just going through this he he makes he references a lot of the regular people that you would expect there's richard feynman thomas sowell um hayek again and you you could just read through and you wouldn't notice um oh he's just quoted a guy called nick land at one point who cares move on but for those of us in the know, for people with eyes that have brains, we know that, oh shit, if this guy's reading Nick Land, then that's like your sus alarms start going off at that point. The, the, the Dracularity level has just risen to a point which we can no longer sustain. Yeah, um, it's not so much a, a red flag as it's a red flag with a white circle and a kind of like a spidery black symbol in the middle of the circle. Yeah. I think it's Hindu. Hmm. It's um. Yeah. It's. I mean. Again, we're probably we're probably giving him a bit more credit than he needs here because he's. It, it's very unlikely he's read something like um, Frank Numina. That's a big. It's a difficult book. Even something like Meltdown, which I, I reread for this, and it's like having my fingernails pulled. Um, yeah, it's it's not easy stuff, especially for a guy of this kind of intellectual level where he 
can't remember what the thing about sharks is. Um, yeah, so... Did you know that sharks actually predate the Rings of Saturn? I didn't cool know that. Fact. Yeah, the Rings That's of Saturn cool are actually relatively new, only a few million years old. But, um, uh, I also know that during the uh, Galilean revolution, this may not actually have been specifically Galileo who discovered this, but when the astronomical you know, revolution occurred and uh, we were able to more closely observe the uh, spheres of heaven. It was very perturbing to discover that Saturn did not have a, a spherical shape because the assumption, you know, the, the, the notion coming out of um, antiquity was that you know, all of the, the, the planets, the, um, the wandering stars, all were, were all of um, a perfectly spherical shape. And uh, presumably the, the further out you got from Earth, the more perfect the shape would be. So it transpired that... Um, Saturn had a shape which was just irreconcilably not spherical, and uh, this was quite this, this caused a um, enormous amount of confusion and distress. And uh, I have no idea if this particular story is true. But one of the anecdotes one hears that one of the solutions that was offered was that it was the uh, the ring or the 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 strange shape around Saturn was in fact the, the divine foreskin deposited there by the Lord as he ascended through the heavens uh, to return to the kingdom above. I've heard that. Yeah, um, I that's a I mean that's a, a is that as good a explanation as any. Um, I think the whole ice crystals thing seems a little like yeah okay yeah bunch of ice crystals sure guys. I think just like Jesus had like his colossal foreskin and it like fell off at some point. Um, like maybe maybe like sharks it it just grew. Like that, that's it, a good it, point. Yeah, because you, you've got to grow or die. Exactly in, in exactly. the jungle. And the deathlessness of the Lord, his, it means that you know, surely may, means that every fragment of of him left, you know, left um, below must continue to continue to have existed and cancerously thrive. Um, there's, there's probably there's probably a short story in there somewhere. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Have you ever read uh, Tow in Jehovah*? The one about like like God's corpse is found in the Pacific Ocean. They have to tow it to the Antarctic. I, I feel like you could do that, but with like. Kind of like a 2001 where you go to, to space to sample uh, Jesus's DNA from the colossal foreskin that's left around Saturn <laughs> and then creates like a, a Jesus clone. Um, uh, I, I, I think I think you could. I think we should. Um... <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a good story there, I feel. Um, so, okay, for, so for the good for the good people at home, should should we actually like explain who Nick Land is and why? I, I feel like, yeah. Um, I feel like that's your job, though, because you're the guest. Um, so Nick Land, okay, so uh, where to start? So the Nick Land is sort of a character from an H.P. Lovecraft story um, in real life in some ways. Um, he, in fact, he, you know, was an academic, he was a philosopher who essentially drove himself into insanity by pursuing the outer regions of human knowledge uh, and um, came back through the other side, uh, transformed into a monster is 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 the is the uh, is, is basically fundamental. That's the narrative that makes the most sense to try and understand who Nick Land is and why he's like the way he is. So he was a um, he'd like that description too. He would like that description as well, which is I mean, which um, is a problem. Um, he so he was a philosopher. He was he was a um, a lecturer or professor of philosophy at the University of Warwick in the 1990s. He was contemporaneous with uh, Mark Fisher um, et al. And um, he he and um, Sadie Plant 
um, uh, I think I think it was specifically for two of them, uh, founded a kind of para-academic um, collective called the CCRU, the, Cyber, uh, the Cybernetic Culture Research Unit. Um, the CCRU in weird theory circles, in like weird British theory circles and weird British philosophy circles, uh, has a kind of quasi-legendary, quasi-mythical status as a um, a bizarre, deeply idiosyncratic um, project that was very, very distinct of its time, of the 1990s, of the um, utopian moment um, that the 90s represented um, for for many people in the West, that yeah, it falling in this um, the, the long this you know, the strange decade that begins with um, the end of you know, the, the fall of uh, of, of uh, communism and ends with the clock ticking over into the year 2000. There is a sense of um there, and that when i think back to like growing up in the 90s i was born in 92 so like this is kind of like hazy childhood memories but i do remember the i re, i remember like the buzz around like the internet the word cyber um the the look and feel of it this this idea of um us standing on the edge of this new um, this new world, this world that of oh, this kind of like oceanic opening up of possibility ahead of us that was going to mediate be mediated by um, the utopian machine of the computer, um, which isn't to say that the CCRU's worldview or outlook could be described as comfortably utopian or humanistically utopian. This is not Star Trek. This is not Next Generation. Um, I, but I think it's important to place it in that cultural context in order to explain its preoccupation with cyber culture uh, and so on. So the um, it's out of this milieu that we get um, accelerationism. Uh, that, that's in the original sense of the word, not in the, the broad sense of meaning any kind of um, uh, apocalyptic fascist projects, but the sense of um, we need to uh, actively encourage or prepare ourselves at least for the... Um, the kind of geometric expansion of the possibilities and the transformational potential of technology, um, that this isn't something that we can uh, really do anything about, that, um, uh, that, that that all we can do is maybe prepare ourselves for it and go along with the ride. Um, so Land's philosophical formation is in... Um, the is, is in uh, Deleuze, Guattari and Bataille. The only book he the only monograph he ever published which i do have a copy of somewhere although i must admit i have never read it is the as a thirst for annihilation which is um, a book on uh, bataille which is written in the style of one of bataille's novels um so he's part of this um I would be wrong to call him a post-structuralist but it's kind of at least like post-structural adjacent um materialistic um, epochal like, materialist French philosophy. Um, he's bringing a lot of or, or selective interpretations of these ideas with him. But more than anything else, the distinct contribution that Nick Land makes to um, Anglophone philosophy, more than his ideas to an extent, really is style, is and presentation. Um, that meltdown. Um, which you described as like pulling teeth. Uh, I don't know if that's a you mean that in a good way or a bad way because the thing is, I I love Meltdown uh, as as Ooh. a rhythmic text. I think it is it is is a masterpiece. Um, I, I hate it as a rhythmic text, but uh, go on. 
I'm going to read the first two paragraphs, actually, just to give people an idea of it. Um, the, the story goes like this. Earth is captured by a techno-capital singularity as Renaissance rationalization and oceanic navigation lock into commoditization takeoff. Logistically accelerating techno-economic interactivity crumbles social order in auto-sophisticating machine runaway. As markets learn to manufacture intelligence, politics modernizes, upgrades paranoia, and tries to get a grip. The body count climbs through a series of globe wars. Emergent planetary commercium trashes the Holy Roman Empire, the Napoleonic continental system, the Second and Third Reich, and the Soviet International, cranking up world disorder through compressing phases. Deregulation of the state, arms race each other into cyberspace. Um, as, a, as a text, as a work of science fiction, basically, as a work of genre fiction, I think it's brilliant. Um, I, I, I think there is a deep inhuman intensity to it. I find it aesthetically fascinating how he deploys I'm not going to call it academic but technical language these word, you know, words like signaletics, um, cybernetics and so on to create this um, impressionistically to create this um, this 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 um, series of fleeting images in the mind as you're as you're reading it where you are feeling yourself and feeling the world slipping into you know the more of uh, of um of the uh the ai monster from out of uh, from out of the future why do you hate it <laughs> um, uh, largely for the same reasons you like it um i, I so th there's a little passage i wanted to, to quote myself here which is um Meltdown has a place for you as a schizophrenic, HIV-positive, transsexual, Chinese-Latino, stim-addicted LA hooker with implanted mirror shades and a bad attitude. Blitz on a polydrug mix of K-Nova synthetic serotonin and female orgasm analogs. You have just ice-free Turing cops with a highly cinematic 9mm automatic. Um, <laughs> your animal twang and your nerves transmit imminent quake catastrophe. Yeah. Zero is coming in and you're on the run. Uh, I will say a more enjoyable experience than reading Meltdown, which is a, a very difficult thing to read because it is astonishingly dense, um, is to, you can find this on SoundCloud. I think, I don't think it's on the Urbanomic SoundCloud, but it's, it, it might be, is um, one of the things CCRU did was they would make jungle tracks out of this and then perform mm -hmm. them at conferences. And um, you, they, the, and there's only, a, I think, only a few of these have actually made it online. But Meltdown is one of them, and it's about, and I, I think it just absolutely fucking kicks ass. I love it. Um, I, I, I it just because uh, all of it's just being delivered by like a dry robotic voice, but with you know pacing and uh good delivery and just sort of like good beats thrown in there just means it really really works um yeah um and i think that um the affective element of that is very important to talk about because um um one of the reasons why you know like nick land is this um i'm not gonna say an obsession of mine but he definitely used to be an obsession of mine was because um in the um when i graduated from university which was in 2014 i so i studied philosophy at uea um i was introduced oh, yeah. at ua um, oh my god yeah, before then uh, okay sorry come on so what, what did you study there uh creative writing ah yeah of course you did of course you did of course you did <laughs> yeah it's, it's uh, yeah <laughs> i'm a publisher thing master done creative writing at ua and a master's degree too oh, that's really fucking cool man yeah the um <laughs> yeah. But I love um yeah UEA best um um 
best looking university in the country, if nothing else. Oh, um, but by far, yeah. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. Nick Lamb would love it. <laughs> He's more neon, I guess. The um, but yeah, um, fun. yeah, yeah, and I was in, I was a, a friend of mine who, like, an older friend of mine, like, in, it basically sort of like introduced me to sort of like Nick Van's uh work. He um, this, this wasn't anything to do with what I was studying, he just sort of like um, said he'd bought this, he'd bought Fang's Numina basically, and explained it sort of like this, um, you know, it's the cyber philosopher from the 90s who uh, went insane and became like a far right libertarian. Uh, and I thought, well, that sounds fun, that's uh, uh so uh, so I got a copy of it myself, and I, and the thing is, I, I got so into that whole thing um in a really like very very quick and intense way because i was 21 and uh this is a um like i I will i will defend land as a writer like i think i think the stuff he produced in the 90s stands up um as, as as examples of experimental fiction um but the yeah okay so actually before i get into the yeah so so um what am i trying to say here what happens to land let's go back to that actually before before i go back into sort of like incriminating myself so land in a very genuine like unfunny way like did drive himself into a mental breakdown with all of this because the ccru project was a um what they were producing, the text they were producing the culture they were producing the cyber culture they were producing is one that um deliberately constantly blurred the lines of of uh, fiction and theory it's where we get the expression theory fiction from i think um although i might, might predate it a little bit um I, yeah like i wish is and actually as a concept like theory fiction is comes from deluza guattari actually because they they write theory fiction in um thousand plateaus um the geology of uh, morals is the is the archetypal work of theory fiction like it has randolph carter from hp lovecraft stories in it um the um it's great it's fucking great i love that text yeah and um really everything that land's doing is just try is aping that aping that style even um of writing like that's like um you know anti-oedipus is written similarly but better um to what we heard from uh meltdown um in fact it's it's theory a theory text written to sound and to affect in a particular way but um so so they incorporate knowingly incorporate you know um complete invention and fiction like they create fake academics like uh, dc barker and so on who they then like have correspondences with which they publish they um write um you know sort of like um treatises on um non-existent uh, philosophers and writers and whole cultures and so on you can read all of this in the uh, ccru reader put out by urbanomic which is a really if you're into this kind of thing um which which um is and people will have variable mileage for it is a, is really good like i said like i said i i enjoy reading it for me um uh just as a as a reader um and uh also goes a lot goes without saying maybe like a lot of this involves amphetamines and hallucinogens mm-hmm. and um the and what and like land like does like i said genuinely drove himself into a into uh, a mental breakdown with all of this um Actually, I'm going to hold on. I do just want to read a little bit from uh, one of his, uh, one of the other texts in Van Newman, actually, where he addressed, where he mentions, where he discusses this. Uh, which one is it? It's, uh, uh, it's, um, I mean, a lot of people have said that Van Newman, you can read as, you know, a series of essays, or you can read it as this a piece of autofiction about a guy going insane, and it yes. ends up with him, yeah, completely off the deep end. 
yeah i've got i just want to find the we, we can uh trim this pause i just want to find the particular passage um uh, uh, yeah here we are yeah um he basically like so this this uh essay which is the one that concludes it is uh, called a dirty joke where he re refers to himself as vaong v-a-w-n-g which is a cabal like through the the gamachia the cabalistic gamachia that he developed or ccu developed spells nick land like it, it adds up to nick land vaong and um this and um yeah, I would, yeah. So I, I, should, I should just, I should just read, uh, I should just read um, from this here. Okay, this is the circumstances of him being committed, basically. During the previous night, Christmas Eve, it, that is himself, it had followed its usual course into fanatically prolonged artificial insomnia. It had spent the time devoted to futile writing practices. It still pretended to be getting somewhere and was buoyant with ardent purpose, but, there, but that is another story, an intolerably intricate and pointless one. It was accompanied to the early hours by a repetitive refrain from next door, a mediocre but plausible rock song whose insistent lyric circled around the words, going to hell. It knew these words were for it and laughed idiotically. They must really love the new CD they got for Christmas, it thought, equally idiotically. In the car, it listened to the radio for the whole journey. Each song was different, the genres varied, the quality seemingly above average, the themes tending to the morbid. This is a cool radio station, it said to its sister. The radio isn't on, its sister replied, concerned. Vowing learnt that the ruins unconscious contained an entire pop industry. The ruin learnt that it had arrived somewhere on the motorway. It's, um, yeah, fuck. Yeah, so he, I, I, and you know, like I, I don't know exactly all the details of this, or you know, and, and uh, I'll just make, you know where he ended up, what treatments he had. But yeah, he did, like he, he did drive himself to a breakdown, and he was committed. And what happens to Nickland after that is, um, is he sort of well, he becomes a Nazi, um, <laughs> basically. Yeah. He, he um, because like the there isn't. You can't find like a discernible, precise political project in his writings from the nineties, except a very, very early one about apartheid um, called Ken Capital and the, and the Incest Prohibition. Um, um, and but uh, the like the running themes in it is this kind of um, again like utopian, but not a humanistic utopia, a utopian uh, intense libidinal enthusiasm about. The cyber cult, the cyber technology revolution, about the idea that we are going to basically cease to be human beings and we become, and, and we are joining the planet in its next phase of evolution because we were just, you know, we were the carriers of consciousness and intelligence for a while, but um, you know, the mark, you know, creating the market, creating computers was just part of the planet's own process of creation you know and like um you know we we may, we're going to become redundant but you know we can like fuck our way into oblivion at the same time and we can make a party out of it basically where he ends up or literally geographically where he ends up after all of this somehow is china he moves to shanghai and um he mutates into a anarcho-libertarian or an anarcho-capitalist Basically, like fundamentally, like he has a like a fairly easy to sort of like categorize political philosophy now, which is anarcho-capitalism. Um, he um, 
he uh you know, so, so, you know and it's been a very very long time now since i read any of his, since i read anything he's written recently so i don't know what the ins and outs of this are but basically you know he wants you know do away with democracy replace um replace civilization with um for profit run city states um which, you know, run as a shared joint as, share, uh, as a joint stock corporations and um this is what's going to basically you know not exactly no, I think he, I think he would say, you know, it, it will save humanity until the um, until the AI eats us as well it should. Um, but he, because he, um, his worldview is um, intensely anti-egalitarian. It's um, chauvinistic. It is racist. Um, he, he believes in what they euphemistically call human biodiversity, which is, is, is race science, is eugenics. Um, he uh, has, as he has, you know predictable views about um, lgbt people although he's not he's not um as fanatically hateful about it as you know as as plain old fascism fascists are but he thinks it's stupid and you should shut up about it um because you know, what, what why the fuck does it matter you know uh, like i think he would say you know you can enter into whatever contracts you want and you can sort of like engineer your body however you want but it's he is of the of an opinion and Mark Andreessen is of this opinion as well that politics, that um, yelling about one's rights and so on, is basically a mental illness. That it's a, it's a, it's a it's a psychosis or neurosis that a particular kind of use this person drives themselves into because they are angry they didn't um, invent the next app. Mm. Yeah, presentiment as Mark Andreessen fails to define. <laughs> And so, okay, how 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 serious is Nick Land in twenty twenty three about these politics? Because if you read Meltdown, then we're told this person's uh, not weird internet Nazi. Now, you might think there's a there's an element of wink and a nod to it. Uh, he can't be that crazy. Uh, he can't. Um, he can't have gone from this futuristic cyber stuff into just you know uh racist uncle's beliefs is there there any self-consciousness about it or is he just straight up racist uncle now i think the answer is is both um i i think that um like 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 and you know and just just to go back to what i was saying you know sort of that you know with university yeah the end of university i got really into all of this and i did get very into like the the ancap sort of you know, reactionary politics of it as well. Like this was, and because you know, like I said, like I said, you know, when you're a 21 year old like male just finishing university, you know, you do think you're you're susceptible to this kind of um, yeah. vision and this kind of politics because it's flattering. Um, it's it's um, it appeals to you know like the sense of like intelligence you have because you've just finished university. Thank you, yeah. uh, and so on. And you feel clever because you read the book and you und- kind of kind of understand it and so on. Mm-hmm. And um, for me as well, you know, I when I when I was at university, I was very much like a standard, you know, like left winger in the early 2010s. You know that that genre of, uh, of, of of politics, and I found something really kind of like invigorating and fun about. Out, like saying well actually um i would consider myself a right winger um because it um it's a, it was a fun pose to assume it was it was um it was a libidinal thing you know, this is something that um this is something that i think is is often missing or or people fail to realize with a lot of this especially with internet like um radicalization but a lot of it like comes down to the fact that like it's fun like it, it oh, feels yeah. fun. I, i've been like 
banging this drum for years and uh, no one seems to have really picked up on it. People who study the, the far right, alt right, Nazism, um, like as far as you want to go to the right, even into people like the Order of Nine Angles or something, which Nick Land is a preacher of, mm-hmm. um, it, yeah, it, it's about having fun. It, it's it's obviously deadly serious, but it's also it's a, it's a laugh to a lot of them. I think yeah. probably to Nick Land, it's it's that as well. Exactly. It's um yeah, and in fact, um, um Dan Olson, folding ideas in his the video he did recently about um GameStop uh, and meme stocks, like one of the things he says in that you know a lot of like the serious literature that's been written about you know what the GameStop thing was, why why that happened. He says you know something that is lacking in this analysis is the fact that aggressively doubling down on buying shares in Bed Bath & Beyond is funny. Like mm, that, yeah. that is, is funny to do that. It's, um, and yeah, it was, um, and it, it, it's, it, it is, um, it, like I said, it's flattering and it's amusing and it can also appeal. And this is something that it really did, did for me because you know, I have, I do have like quite a pessimistic outlook and demeanor is that it, it can appeal to, the sense of tragedy, like to a sense of tragedy, uh, to the idea that you know it is, we should mourn that the world is so cruel that this is our only option. You know that was something that I could I, I could articulate. You know I think that you know the you know the you know the pyramid society has to be maintained because there is no alternative, and it is tragic that it has to destroy so many people. But but this is the world we live in, um, mm. and you know th- these are all affective libidinal impulses um yeah and and again like when you're you know when you're like um a like you know sort of like stupid 21 year old you know this is you know these all, all of these things can be really like just like fun can be like pleasurable thoughts to to have and to engage with and yeah and i, I used to regularly i was too late to the scene to like read less wrong but i like regularly read slate star codex and um i don't, I don't know if nick van's blog is still up xeno systems but I, I used to regularly read that i like i had i know i won't name it um but it's still up with someone like i had a blog where i wrote about some of this stuff as well sort of like saying yeah how you know you know offering sort of like um scattered thoughts about um new reaction about and, and all of this which all, all of which i feel deeply embarrassed about now um, i'm gonna dig it up and cancel you oh fuck i'm gonna, find, I'm gonna um, find your like uh Top ten races. Uh, the <laughs> number seven will surprise you. Uh, not clickbait. Um, <laughs> um, the things that pulled me, and uh, for what it's worth, actually, the things that like pulled me out, pulled me out of all that tediousness, was um, just like being friends with like normal people. And, yeah, that um, and um the uh, and the specific sort of like intellectual philosophical things that happened with me was um uh, was um. Elle Sandifer's, I think I read stuff on her blog before the book came out, actually. I think I read the book after I was no longer part of this. Um, but but her book, um, Neo Reaction, A Basilisk, mm, which is a really good, a book. really, really fucking good resource. Fantastic book. And mm. um, it's, and um, uh, also, like, and I'm, this is, this is going to sound like I'm being, well, I'm being pretentious here, but this is completely true. It was actually going and reading Deleuze and Guattari for myself and not reading Nick Land reading mm. <laughs> I read Anti-Oedipus and was like, okay, but they're not saying what he's saying here, though, like, mm. that, you know, and I really, you know, realized, wait a minute, they're, 
there, there's there's a missing piece to this puzzle here. And um, I went back to I did my I went back to university, did my masters, and you know I studied like critical theory and 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 what not and so on. And uh, I very and this is where this is where things get like super gay, I'm afraid, but like genuinely sort of like reconnecting with like good old fashioned Anglo Catholic Christianity, like re- sort of like reminded <laughs> me that you know there is actually an inherent worth to all human beings, and uh, this is a hateful a hateful worldview uh to have so yeah no i'm not i'm not gonna not gonna do this anymore <laughs> i'm gonna have, gonna have boring politics uh instead um yes yeah, so it was a weird it was a weird combination of things um but but yeah the um with um i'm not sure i'm not sorry i, I I'm, not, I'm not sure where you want to work uh, i've been talking a lot now but like it, what, oh no what, don't, don't yeah don't worry about it um let, let's have a little musical break now um i'm not gonna make you like listen to the music obviously uh, that'd, that'd be really odd just to sit around listening to music for like five minutes and start talking again um so yeah i'm gonna play a song um this is off an album that came out uh, last month for uh, october 20th on southern lord um it's a lady named uh marth m-a-r-t-h-e she's from italy this is like a one one woman project bedroom project um, that's kind of early black metal, but also crust punk, but also Riot Girl, and abrasive, sludgy, um, very, very exciting, and anti-fascist and feminist and misanthropic. So um, she would not be a huge fan of Nick Land, I, I don't feel. Um, maybe from the misanthropy, but... Would end there. Um, so yeah, it's an album out on Southern Lord, so automatically good because those guys just have incredible taste and everything. Um, the album is called Further in Evil, and I'm going to play the title track of that album. I, I kind of like feel like the it gets compared to like Bathory, Tiamat, Amoebix, but I, I feel like it's it sounds like King Woman, but like massively heavier. Um, see if you could if you can see that uh, too then email me don't email me um so here's marth playing further and evil Sent castles that fade, the sword, 
Sure, that I've got to listen to that later. That sounds um, it, it is a very good a, a record, actually. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. God, King Woman, that's something I've not listened to for for a minute. Um, yeah, she's kind of stopped doing like the 12 side projects at once thing. Um, she had some like, incredible records and it's kind of like disappeared for a little for a second. Not, but um, yeah, I think she does is generally very good, but um, she, she deserves a break, I guess. <laughs> that's a little treat. Um, yeah, so to go back to like um to go back to like the techno optimist manifesto like briefly like um, one of the passages in here that really like took me back to the bad old days um i think and it might even be the longest longest chapter or section here is the bit about markets mm, yeah. and um what i think like if if um like i mean it's a stupid like it's a stupid essay like which you shouldn't waste your time reading but like if it gets cl- anywhere close to saying anything actually like like thoughtful and something that you know you you need to sort of like maybe engage with a little bit um it would be it would be this chapter which doesn't say he said anything original here he hasn't it's just a distillation of the standard standard libertarian free market uh ideology and so on but this is like a, it this would just brought me back to one of the things that like again on an effective libidinal level one of the things that i got off on with all of with 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 that whole thing which is the sense that um a an unregulated free market is a uh, a landscape of possibility and it allows it permits for a kind of um a kind of nobility of purpose in the sense that it give it gives you room to for you to create and for people in a kind of motivated, you know, motivated by nothing more except, you know, rational self-interest to just come together and to do this like grand thing of creating a society without compulsion of, uh, without being forced to, without, without compulsion, just out of the, the natural happening and flourishing of their own efforts, um, which isn't true. It's the thing like, you know, that is an that is a, an ideological image that that is a picture that has been drawn and presented to try and sell you on the idea of a particular number of policy positions to hold about market regulation right you know but, but um but at the same time there is one of the things that has you know there is you know there's always kernels of truth in this kind of thing and it is you know statements about you know the fact that like central you know sort of like um total top-down centralized planning like that is a not a great way to run a an economy or society because it will never be possible for all of the information for a central a a central planner true central planner would need to have in order to perfectly regulate the economy you would never actually be able to get that that is true uh that is one of the problems you know, that was one of the problems of the soviet union you know this attempt to you create you know a perfect to create a, a perfectly transparent information environment you you know there's just the limitations of human beings means you can't really do that and it is also true that um um, um that centralization and uh, and technocracy has to also carry with it a sense of contempt for local knowledge, for the um, the knowledge that just the ordinary people who are involved on the grounds or on the factory floor have um, for how things work, how things are done. Um, 
that is true that there is always going to be that tension because there are people who are involved with it in an immediate way and people who aren't involved with it in an immediate way you know none of you know none of this is to say that you know therefore we should you know we should be good liberals or anything like that because you know like any you know the socialism that i want would be you know one where you know it is actually the people involved in the creation of things are the ones making the decisions you know that that, that is perfectly compatible with a socialist ethos and um it's all it's also true that um converse you know sort of like total decentralization you know um can't lead that does not lead to like a totally transparent information environment either that it has you know it produces its own uh it, it produces innumerable problems of its own but um it would yeah like this this section did like remind me of that and it does and i think i think there is a habit of thought on the left of um uh of being very very keen on um, this thing we call central planning or really imagining what that would involve or how that would work or how that would um, integrate itself with just the actual like plain lividness of of, of labor and or and and ordinary human activity um, again that's not an irreconcilable problem there's like been huge amounts written on exactly these things and people who, and, and 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 so on but um I don't know like this was this kind of reminded me of like I said like one of the things that, got me about this worldview like that, that, that got me about this um this way of thinking about things this because it because it and again like it appeals to one's vanity this idea that you know myself you know myself as a man you know sort of like i could be one of these pioneers you know there's one of these pioneers of creation and industry and it's but when you know but like it's 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 hopelessly individualistic as a position you know it's totally unrealistic and cut off on what the world is actually fucking like and it um and and it is and this is why like Mark, like Nick Land is more honest than people like Mark Andreessen. So like because like Nick Land like he you know understands a lot more about what capitalism is than someone like Mark Andreessen does. Because for Mark Andreessen, he comes to sort of like all, like awkward questions like, but where does the lithium come from? You know, like he will sort of like make some nods towards the fact that sort of like you know well once we invent the god AI, we'll be able to mine lithium in the way that's nice. Spaceships or something, asteroids. Yeah, 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 we're doing space. We're doing space. Don't ask any. Don't ask questions. Well, for Nick Lander, he is keen on you know going to outer space. Um, um, uh, um, his response would be, "Well, we'll get the lithium by the cost of tens of thousands of lives. How else would we do so?" I'd like there is and yeah, but that's one of the things that's attractive about that position is you know is the wantonness of its cruelty. You know, there's something that can appeal to you about that because there's an honesty to it, which is yeah. lacking in something like the Techno Optimist Manifesto. You know, that, yeah. bad um, guys are always more fun, basically. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why, like, all, like the fucking NRX dudes, like, would call themselves, you know, like Dark Lords of the Sith and all of that. Yeah, like, Dark just, Elves and so on. Fuck, but... Yeah, did you read a uh, Mencius Molbug's uh, thing about Dark Elves and Hobbits? Uh, um, I, I did it read. Was, it was good. I did used to read Moldbug's blog, um, Unqualified Reservations. Um, I don't think I. I never read him as 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 um, as much as I read Nick Land because, and, and this is something that El Sanderford like said. Actually, I remember. I remember this remark. It's like when you read Eliza Yudkowsky, who which I never did too. Uh, you read Yudkowsky and Moldbug and Land. One of the things that becomes obvious like immediately is nick land is on a completely different plane mm. to these other two like Ch- chuckle fox like land like really does actually know what he's talking about in the way they don't like there is a a, a cold 
but genuine intelligence there like there is a kind of like um dark brilliance to him there's a reason why you know his name still has like a kind of currency right like even if it's like trading off of like um stuff he wrote you know not far off 30 years ago now um mm. it's a very yeah, i feel like we, we could... so i just like to say like a very good essay to read um, is Mark Fisher's essay Terminator versus Avatar, um, where he d- where he talks directly about you know Nick Land and the appeal the appeals thereof with that um, uh, with that it's a very it's a very very good piece and it also means that you're reading Mark Fisher who who is good rather than Nick mm-hmm. Land who is bad. Yeah. Um, I know one thing about Mark Fisher and, and Nick Land I know is Fisher called Nick Land our Nietzsche and. Obviously, the Andreessen uh, essay ends up close to the end. Is a big old chunk from Vas Vas Spake Zarathustra. Got it in the end. Um, how how close are these two? Because I, I I've, Nietzsche's come up a lot on this show late, lately, um, and there's you know obvious um, like Vas Spake Zarathustra is a piece of free fiction, right? Yeah. It's yeah, it's not a like his later work, a straight up polemic or essay or anything like that. It's it's a it's a little story about some guy in a mountain, and um, much like Nick Land, he pays a lot of attention to style. He's not afraid to be controversial and creative. And uh, but how how close are these two, and what what do they have to say? To each other, and how much does Nick Land think and talk about Nietzsche? Obviously, they've got the like intermediary point of Deleuze, who's you know also a big Nietzschean as well. But um, yeah, are they are they that similar? Uh, um, I think that's a comparison that Land would be very flattered by, which makes me hostile towards it. Um, <laughs> the how similar are they? Well. Um, Ah, I mean, there certainly are similar, like um, there are similarities there, like Nietzsche's anti-humanism, his um, all of the things that um, you know, sort of like a leftist, leftist Nietzscheans. Sometimes I'm, I'm actually never. It'd be on. It'd be. It'd be ungenerous of me to say about like, leftist Nietzscheans like try to avoid these topics because I don't. That isn't what they try to do. But like, um, but all of the th- things of Nietzsche's thought that um, are the bits you have to try and explain the way at the party when you bring up Nietzsche. You know, mm-hmm. his anti-egalitarianism, his you know, his anti-egalitarianism, his chauvinism, his um his him having a very aristocratic hierarchical view of society and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, aristocratic radicalism, I've heard it referred yeah. to as. Yeah, and to be honest, like, I mean, it's been although it's been a, um, a very long time since I it's been, it has it's been years since I've read Nietzsche now actually. Um, but um, I remember I remember actually a remark by um, John Milbank of all people in the, in the introduction to his book um, Theology and Social Theory, where he states in that that um, in his view the vulgar reading of Nietzsche that is like Nietzsche believed in aristocracy and a slave caste is it in his view that is what Nietzsche actually was all about mm. and um and you know I, I'm not a Nietzsche scholar it's like I said it's been years since I've read him and it's certainly like obvious to anyone that there is a huge amount of radical revolutionary potential in Nietzsche's ideas however I 
I do sort of agree with Milbank's read there. The sort of like, yeah, when Nietzsche talks about slaves, he does mean slaves sometimes. Like he mm. does have the he does have defenses of like domestic servants and stuff, if I remember correctly. Like it's you know, it is of the nature of some people to serve, and it is of the nature of some people to rule. You know, mm. and like for him, you know, this is kind of like a tragic fact, but it's still one that you can uh, own and take hold of and run with. And that's definitely you know, Nick Land's view. You know, he you know he you know, he's into the bell curve and all of that. He does think that you know some haplogroups groups are better suited to working in the mines, while some haplogroups groups are better suited to colonizing Mars. So he does think this. Um, the um, there isn't like the genuine brilliance of Nietzsche is is, is lacking in lands though. The the um, you know, like the, the the vitalism, you know, just like the, the the overwhelming enthusiasm Nietzsche does have for life and for like the vibrancy of creation. That's something is hard to find in land because, like, for land, the world is such a a bleak place. It's um, yeah, yeah, like, land is like beyond good and evil. Uh, uh, take out the good part <laughs> and the beyond part. Um, Yes. Um, yeah. Fuck. Like I remember, like something he wrote on 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 his blog, like was basically so sort of like def- basically defense of child soldiers. Like so, you know, basically, well, you know, <laughs> up until up until you know about fifty years ago, every culture in the world thought this was normal. Then we got woke and stopped. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, fuck off, fuck off, fuck off. The, the children yearn for combat. They're, they're on Roblox shooting each other every day. Just, you know, we, we can solve a lot of problems this way. Uh, there's some truth to that, maybe. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, if it's my son, then yes, he he would love uh, as much combat as possible. Um, he's on Roblox right now, murdering countless children in the virtual world. Well, I think I would love Roblox. It's got um, m- virtual murder, uh, right wing grooming. It's absolutely disgusting. He'd, he'd really be down for Roblox. There's he wrote some I don't know if he still writes fiction actually. I sort of hope he does because I think that's probably a healthier outlet for him than anything else. But um he wrote a and self-published a couple of um quite interesting actually um works of philosophical like philosophical horror fiction called uh, File Under and Chasm. Um and um a lot of File Under is act is is to do with, you know, a video game that um uh, I can't really remember the details of it. I actually can't remember the details of it at all now. But yeah, like he's he's um, aware of these things, you know. Like, reminds um, um, me actually, like, a, actually, no, don't, don't read it. You know, read the much you know better book, um, the Peripheral by uh, William Gibson instead. You know, that deals with uh, very similar things. Only William Gibson, you know, is on the right side of history. I don't know. Well, he was into. Uh... What's his name? That was it. Uh, Hillary Clinton. Big, big Hill, Hillary head. Our boy Gibbo. Uh, I but, mean, uh, I can write yeah. a side of history than Nick Land. Oh, by, certainly. Uh, by that um, benchmark, by by that particular hurdle. <laughs> well, that kind of brings on to to something like the next big question about Nick Land. Like, what does this guy want? Like, we've kind of touched on what his ideal future looks like, but. And I think Moldbug does more of the actual setting out, okay, this is how a neo-reactionary society would work. But does Nick Land have like a manifesto in a way that Nietzsche just emphatically didn't? Does he have a like a, a utopia? Dystopia? Um, 
the, the short answer to that is kinder. He wrote a long essay called The Dark Enlightenment um, in the early 2010s. Um, I forget when exactly. It's um, It doesn't have a program, as you would call it, um, exactly. Um, but it does have... Um, but it, um, it is a... Um, I'm trying to see if it's... If it's it, easily available to access online because it did used to have just have a website but i think it's uh yeah, yeah here it goes to... oh it's on scripty so i'll give money to oh fuck it. i'm not gonna do that <laughs> anyway okay but the, yeah the in terms of okay so what he wants um in like plain like kind of like plain terms maybe is um he would like a lot more places to look like uh china and uh saudi arabia um places where there is um a great deal of um, economic deregulation, uh, where there is a contempt for ordinary human life. There is no democracy. Um, there is um, a healthy, healthy contempt for women and queer people and minorities, and a alongside a genuine, and I will say genuine actually, a genuine vision for the future, though. Like um, Xi Jinping, Comrade Xi Jinping, His Royal Highness Mohammed bin Salman, have do have like projects in mind. Like they want there are cheaper projects, but projects cheaper projects. Like what if a city was a long straight line, or um, what if um, there were no Muslims living in Xinjiang anymore? Um, but you know there are these are you know they have they have goals. They have they they, they have goals and they have projects. He is um, very because he is very much of the opinion you know, the West is decadent and sclerotic. Um, it's been driven to that by democracy and, to be blunt, race mixing, um, and 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 you know bum sex basically. You know these are the things that have just uh, um, driven the West to a uh, distraction and mean that you know civilization. You know, like the future now lies with uh, with the East, um, who with the uh, with um, um, with those with those with the with the will to grab hold of it and all of that. You know, he um, I can't see him being a Russia stand because Russia is 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 too populist and in a preferred perverse sense of the word still too democratic. He's very. I mean, there's a reason why he moves to China, right? Because you know China, what you have in China is is capitalism and no democracy. Um, you have a an aristocracy in in essence in in, in the Communist Party uh, or or literal aristocracy in Saudi Arabia. Um, what he this he wants more of this he wants more autocracy he wants more hierarchy he wants more deregulation he wants more oh he is so horny for Elon Musk it's gen- I was going to say <laughs> this is one of the genuinely one of the funniest things was that um, Elon Musk buying Twitter must have been his wet dream and he got everything he wanted and <laughs> have you been on Twitter recently it's uh, yeah, I, I saw some dead children today it was really great. Yes, 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 and um, and also <laughs> the 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 ads on Twitter now, right? Like it's the ads that you it's the ads you get on the porn site now is the ads mm. you get on Twitter. You don't get banks and airlines anymore. You get like tweezers for pulling blackheads out of your nose, or like like extending sticks you can use to to for stick related activities with, and so on. You know, that, that's yeah, don't insult the stick ones. Those are actually really useful. I got a lot of stick activities done. Uh, yeah, a, a, a ton of like crypto adjacent stuff that uses uh, Elon Musk's either face or name. 
like so much like Elon Moon coin that we could invest in. Yes, um, Peter Thiel is. I think actually that, that like who is a more genuinely sinister figure than Elon Musk because Musk is is a clown. He's he's a fucking mm. idiot. While while Thiel, not to give him too much credit, but like Thiel, like has more of a head for like the long game. Um, he he's re- like uh, he, he you know even even though Thiel is gay, you know, so like land doesn't like land doesn't uh, like this is the thing like with with, with lands you know like um homophobia and his transphobia. It's not that he has like a deep like moral objection to it. It's just he think he's just he doesn't he thinks it stupid to talk about you know like he thinks like, it's um, cringe basically he thinks it's cringe to bring it up yeah exactly and like um i remember like something he said once on his blog actually when asked directly about this was he said you know um it would be impressively less than optimal if we killed the next alan turing so how it, that's his but at the same time you know what he wants you know he is he is a natalist you know he wants more babies of a particular haplogroup. group um uh to to uh, yeah he want he want you know he wants that he wants more and you know um and <laughs> so that means he's not especially keen on you know the queers um or at least not most of the queers um uh but yeah he if if in terms of like who he would vote for in the presidential election? Obviously, he would vote for Trump. He doesn't especially care for, for for Trump because Trump is a populist and Land does not like any kind of democracy. This is um like Menchus Moldebug coined the term uh, demotism uh, to describe all forms of all political formations which assume there has to be at least any level of popular mandate, be that Marxism, Leninism liberal democracy, fascism, national socialism, which, and actually, like, Scott Alexander, who is a piece of shit, you know, like, uh, in his piece on um, the reaction and all of that, because he wrote what was for a long time the definitive, like, response to all of this, he, you know, he points out the fact that this is a baffling way of categorizing political movements, though. Like, it, mm. it is a very unnatural category because it means that you can, but also a very useful one if your position is one where any democracy is too much democracy. If you if you are able to say that um, Stalinism, Nazism, and liberalism are all literally the same thing because they have any notion of popular mandate behind them, which is why you know a lot of these freaks are really into just their plain old feudalism. You know, the idea, you know, but, you know, but it should, you know, it should just be power is something that is inherited by, um, inherited dynastically or through um, the purchasing of shares. That's what power is. Um, but it, the, um, so he doesn't like, um, he doesn't like Trumpism because it's populist, and he doesn't like any form of populism. He would still vote for Trump because Trump will uh, hasten the demise of the West um, and all of that uh, and, and and will allow you know the uh, and will allow his 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 boys to to make more headway um, his yeah um, does that does that does that um, does that answer it does yeah absolutely um, wait one second just gonna bring myself back to where I was um so do you get any having read the Andreessen piece do you get any sense that Andreessen is engaged with Nick Land's work more than just being able to drop his name this I mean, reading through this there's, there's a lot of just um you know um a lot of cliche a lot of um throat clearing and Dropping the familiar names we've all heard before, 
Um, and yeah, there's a, just endless cliches about free markets delivering productivity, growth, and law of acceleration, and so on. But could there be any? How to what extent is this Landian? How how Landian is Horowitz and Andreessen's um, essay and his view in general and Silicon Valley in general? So the the only two references to Nick Land I can find by doing Control F uh, on the website is um, one where he is just mentioned as someone to read, and the other is in the uh, the section the Techno Capital Machine where he writes mm. Combine technology and markets, and you get what Nick Land has termed the Techno Capital Machine, the engine of perpetual material creation, growth, and abundance. We believe the techno-capital machine of markets and innovation never ends, but instead spirals continuously upward. Comparative advantage increases specialization in trades, prices fall, freeing up purchasing, and so on and so on and so on. And so on, and so on. For and so on prices benefit everyone who buys goods and services. Yeah, that's totally my experience of capitalism. Prices have just plummeted lately. Yeah. And so... He met, okay, so what he takes from land here is well, this is very funny because, like, he is we calls the techno capital machine. I will say the sort of like I bet Nick Land has used those words in that like order at some point, but I, I, I think it would be a, a stretch to say like a like a, a key landing category is this mm. because this is uh, yeah, it's very very vague. What's funny though is he describes and Jason describes the techno capital machine as being not anti-human. In fact, maybe the most pro-human thing there is. It serves us. The techno capital machine works for us. All the machines work for us, and that is so anti-landian that that perspective because again like he is a like his perspective is very anti-humanist his view on what um like okay let's use the term techno capital machine his view what the techno capital machine is is that it is something it is as much a law of nature as gravitation almost that um because there are because because of time literally because of time because of scarce resources and um, desire, also, you know, you will because of like peace combination of things, you will always produce this machine called the market. Um, it will, you will always have this. You will always have um, capitalism on its way in some form or the other. Which again, you know, that's. Um, I mean, this is something you often hear in like libertarian circles, the notion about like markets so human nature. To which the end again, you know, to borrow, you know, that notion from Scott Alexander is well that's a very convenient category then isn't it like if every form of commerce bartering sharing of resources in order to acquire other resources is just the market in the modern sense of the word that's very convenient then isn't it like it feels unnatural to say that because obviously because yeah for obvious reasons right um but for land all of this is um and this is more obvious in his early earlier writings i think in some ways but like he he really like he really does think that like look it's kind of it is just the law of nature that capitalism happens that that um uh competition over scarce resources plus time always results in this and it will always refine itself uh into higher and higher levels of technological abstraction until it does be, until it is the self-aware market i mean that's kind of like the the end game for him almost is that the is well not um 
is is this notion that the market, the planetary market, is an intelligence, an artificial intelligence that it is regulating itself. It is an organism that is like living and breathing and eating and shitting. Uh, that is what capitalism is. And he described he does describe it in Meltdown and other places as like um, the AI arriving from the future. Um, and I don't know how much that was the amphetamines or whatever, <laughs> but um, that's um, like he talked like uh, yeah he. Um, Ah, fuck. Um, the, but but the thing with all of this is like um, the reason why his pol- like his reason at least why his politics are so vile, why he you know is you know wants you know um, these you know um, highly sort of like policed um, militarized city states um, with the police force or neo Nazis is because you know, this thing is coming, it's here already, it's already eating the world and boiling the ocean. We can't stop it because, again, it's the law of nature that this thing has to exist. The option we have is to die or survive, and um, survival will involve, as he puts it in, towards the end of Dark and Light, you know, the rim of his phrase, it involves crossing the bionic horizon. It be- it's becoming post-human. We will stop, cease being recognisably human. We may cease to be recognisably distinct from technology at all. Um, but that's what comes next. Uh, and none of that, none of that at all, could be described as techno-optimist. Uh, you cannot no. describe this as being... And it's, the only reason you would say it's not anti-human is for the same reason that I am not anti-ants. You know, like it doesn't matter. It's Cthulhu. Like this is the the love. Mm. Like you, you know, this is why they maybe like H.P. Lovecraft. Like it's Cthulhu. You know, it doesn't. It it's not. It doesn't. He doesn't hate you. Cthulhu does not hate you because for the same reason I don't hate spiders. Oh, I mean the reason I don't hate spiders because I love spiders. But like the reason, like you know, it's you are nothing. We are nothing to it. That's the only reason you couldn't call it anti-human is because it is a human. It is inhuman. Um, it has no regard for us except as uh something that it may you know as drag as he puts it in meltdown. You know, so like something just to slough off as as um as intelligence and desire um, finds new vessels, but that's it. Um, so to go back to your question about how seriously has Mark Andreessen engaged with Nick Land, the short answer is not at all, really. Mm. Like if that's his... For him, Nick Land, and I would not be unsurprised if he never actually... If he's like, never read him at all and he just had him summarised to him. Uh, like... To think that Nick Land is like an optimist or utopia about technology is just so off beam. It's such a bad read about what his particular brand of bullshit is. But it does indicate that like if he's read him, he didn't understand him. And he probably just reckons Nick Land's thing is that sort of, oh, you know, we need uh, less politics and more deregulation in the technology markets and uh, cybernetics will give us new forms of governing ourselves. Accelerationism is where more technology Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he, I think, um, Andreessen uses the term acceleration. Um, he, does. he says, we, we believe, believe in yeah. accelerationism, which if whether you, accelerationism is the, you know, the thing that Gland and CCRU believe in or whether accelerationism is what Atom often believe in, that's still a baffling thing to, to say when all he's saying is technology means more technology, which is... Banal, yeah. Of course, yeah. We could, if we make computer chips, we can do technology better. That's not a. It's nothing that needs to be said there. 
that's and that's only um acceleration is as only a couple of paragraphs away from his uh, invocation of Nickland. Yes. We uh, and here uh, we believe the technocapital machine is not anti-human. Yep. <laughs> Nick, I, I think Nickland would be clapping at that one. He'd say there's nothing more hu- humanistic than this um uh, AI market uh, Cthulhu. He just wants what's best for everyone. Honestly, like someone who's closer to you know, this guy's whole thing, you know, Jason's whole thing, is is, um, is Scott Alexander. Who, if people don't know who he, who he is, he was um, he wrote a he was one of the um, like um, one one of the originals sort of like uh, members of a forum called Less Wrong, um, mm-hmm. which and uh, you will like people will know kind of um, indirectly about all of this because of like the Sam the San Bankman Freed effective altruist thing is like part of this web of ideas which it was, mm. was called like um just called like called like rationalism of a capital r um which was it's, it's as is uh, rocco's basilisk yes and uh without which grimes and elon musk would not have been together <laughs> um exactly so and yeah and like scott was the um probably of that ilk like still horrid but like maybe the least shit of them like could write a sentence. Uh, was, well, I, I, when I read his blog, I thought he was a good writer, but this was obviously like uh, seven, eight years ago now. Um, but like fanatical anti-feminist, um, uh, a, a negation, like a, a did did believe racism was real, but was a negationist about how real it was. Um, and and El Santifer again uh, to to mention her uh, wrote a, a very good piece just sort of like um, after there was a debacle with the New York Times wanting to name Scott Alexander because uh, that's that's his pen name uh, and um, and and uh, and he accused of doxing him and uh, this resulted in sort of like and I think uh, I, I don't think the MIT approached her to ask her to write this but she wrote just the thing explaining okay this is why this guy has always sucked because uh, I think she was quoted in the article that was, and uh, just, you know, the fact that like he, he was always publicly in favour of eugenics and um, had a bioessential model of poverty and so on. Um, and uh, but his he did you know was very optimistic about technology and the sciences and the uh, possibilities and potential of people to you know um, uh, to, to well okay to build Star Trek yeah but we you know we're just a little bit more free market capitalism and a little bit more anti-feminism and a little bit more eugenics away from it being um star trek um one thing about star trek is they they love um capitalism and eugenics eugenics has typically worked out very well for the star trek universe and capitalism uh mm. exactly um but yeah like but this is a um yeah because and it, it's just this very and this is why you know like i met when we were talking about this on the dms um earlier in the week you know why i said you know like you understand i have to bring up martin heidegger right oh, please, um, yeah, i was gonna say yeah but, um because yeah. one of the things that's obvious about this is um if this essay is it is completely uninterested in, inter- in interrogating what technology is at all like what mm. is this what is this fucking thing that we call technology um and because and and the, the only th- the only thing we get is uh, literally like, it's like Webster's Dictionary defines technology as, yeah, it, what we say to is, in fact, Greeks tech- call it techne. Greek, the Greeks call it techne. It means tool. Um, <laughs> and um, there's this, like for Andreessen, technology is just this, like this, this, this neutral thing 
that um, is really good if you, you if you if you do technology right. And we need more capitalism to do technology even righterer. And if we and if we keep on doing that, then we go to space and everything is great. And um, but again, like there's no. There's no interrogation about what what is this thing though you know what what because it's just like we we you know monkey has brain brain think of thing um, put rock together make hammer and so on you know that that's that, that that's all the engagement there is with what with what the single technology actually is you know there's nothing like a, you know obviously nothing like a marxist analysis of you know like how it is that economies actually like transform over time and you know how the means of production revolutionize themselves there's no notion of a process there for him you know there's just like um we need to do capitalism better uh, and then we get more technology and that that's it and then the more technology lets us do the capitalism better and um the reason why I, want, I said, okay, I have to bring up Martin Heidegger here, my boy Heidi, um, who was, um, yeah, so like I've got, <laughs> gone, gone from explaining sort of like, you know, sort of like why I used to be sort of like into Nick Land's particular band, brand of right wing bullshit, to then talking about Martin Heidegger. Um, the, um, because uh, like I wrote, I am um, like Heidegger was um is probably like Heidegger and Deleuze Guattari are like the philosophers I probably read the most of, which knows a strange pairing um or strange trio. But um, uh, I wrote my I like I wrote my my master's dissertation on 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 Heidegger um and I like I I still feel like very like um influenced by his his thought in in lots of ways um for obviously not uncritically um but Heidegger um. In his in in his work after the Second World War, basically, he began. He really started to focus a lot on the question concerning technology, as he put it. You know, so sort of like, what this, what what is the meaning of this? Though, what is the meaning of technology? And he was fond of you know paradoxical statements, like saying that um, we are accustomed to thinking that the. Um, the scientific revolution preceded the technological revolution, when in fact the reverse is true. The technological revolution made the scientific revolution possible. Technology precedes science and so on, which feels very, you know, is, is quite a paradoxical way of putting it. But because for what for Heidegger, um, technology is is it's it's more than just a worldview, even although that might be a place to start thinking about what Heidegger means by technology. Um, it's it is a way of understanding what things are um it is a he wouldn't use the term ideological um he wouldn't use the term ideology um that wouldn't be an expression he would use um for him it's it is a it's a dispensation of being it is an epoch of being um i i i won't go into what into like a notion of epochal being or anything like that or disclosure or, or, or too much because we'll be here all, all night but um for heidegger the like the, the engine of history sort of i'm speaking very broadly but like the engine of history is this idea it is that being discloses itself in different ways in in different it has different modes of revealing itself and uh the task of the human that of human design um of human being is to be the site whereby being discloses itself and in our particular era in our particular dispensation um the disclosure the former disclosure that um uh has come about and which dominates us and dominates the world is the technological is the, is, is the technological display the technological dispensation and this is one where um like this is like Hardinger's example basically sort of like um the river rhine uh the rhine is no longer the rhine it is no longer the rhine that moved um Hölderlin to write his hymn um 
the Rhine is now a source of motion for a hydroelectric power plant. That's what the Rhine is. Uh, the wind is no longer like the um, like the cooling the cooling gift of or the cooling gift of the heavens. Um, it is a source of motion for a uh, a wind power plant. Um, the Earth is no longer the sort of like a, the bounty, so like the source of like a, of, of bounty and verdant like plenty or anything like that. It's where we get ore from. We can extract things from the Earth and then crack the atoms in it to generate even more energy. Um, mm. The it is that's like I said. Let's let's just focus on the idea of technology being a worldview, because um, because that is that is easier than, than getting into all of this nonsense about epoch or being. But, um, um, it is it is it it is a it is a worldview. It is a dispensation. It is a way of thinking about things where the world only exists. It is only there for as much as it is a resource which can be dominated and put to use. It has no value of its own it has no ways of disclosing itself other than as resource a standing reserve as is which is heidegger's term of phrase uh that includes us um the human is a another resource our bodies our um our anatomy our labor potential our heredity our race are all become um resources which the which the grand technological projects can put to particular uses and purposes but there is no purpose outside of that um that is all there is to it it is a um it is a worldview where um or a dispensation a way of thinking where there is no no rumors given to things to be themselves to be released for, for, for what Heidegger calls Gelassenheit, um, being released into just the ordinariness of their own being. Um, the, it is a, and he kind of, he, he, he contrasts this with um, what, with, um, a po- with, with viewing things in a poetic, aesthetic way or religious way, um, where, you know, where the, you know, the sky is the sky is the sky it is not um the source a source of motion um it is you know it's like it is it's the great like um yawning heaven over us is something that calls to us about it just in that it is the sky and likewise the earth likewise other human beings likewise our gods our religion these are things that um have their own voices that call to us when we allow them to do so but but under the reign of technology um there is no recognition that there's even a voice there because it because it is just what we can we do with it what what can we extract from it he distinguishes um the machine from the tool at one point i think it's in the uh, in, in the bremen lectures where for heidegger says the difference between a machine and the tool is not a matter of sophistication or complexity a tool and for example because like, he uses a lot of rural imagery but like for example like a scythe for instance maybe um that can be set aside and it still possesses its being it is still a scythe when it is no longer time to reap right it 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 it, it, it still possesses itself it discloses itself as what it is um but it can be released into its rest I, this is weird language i know but this is how he writes yeah, yeah. I've, I've tried heidegger before yeah i know how difficult he can be with his neologisms while a machine can only stop when it breaks or when its uh, cessation of its activity is a necessary component of its ordinary function, like allowing a motor to cool off so it can be started again. It, it, it only ceases to be 
when it um it's it's only it is only permitted to to stop when the fan belt breaks or it becomes obsolete or becomes obsolete or like i said as part of its ordinary functioning um you just need to let um let it cool before you can use it again uh i think that's a really interesting way of like thinking about what of of, of having that in mind when we when we think about the way that people like mark and Jason talk about technology because like again like like technology is just this this neutral but all-encompassing thing that does not require any interrogation um for them while from you know a heideggerian perspective um you could that's that's something that we would become very uncomfortable with because we will say the vision that he has for what the good life is for what eudaimonia for what for what human flourishing is is what would be totally totally um surrender our being our ability to have the world disclose itself to us for us to disclose ourselves to the world and to one another to completely surrender that to just um to, to become more of to becoming available uh, for more standing reserve uh the, the word the word that heidegger uses in german is is gestell which means um to set in a frame or like to position in the frame is sometimes translated as positionality or in framing because it's one it's a world where everything has to be organized accord like categorically for its, for its usage there is no potential for things to be as they are in their own in the ordinary disclosure of their own being and to be clear like Heidegger's philosophy is one that we might have lots of problems with and you know like a, a good Marxist would say this is bollocks this is like idealist bollocks this is bourgeois ideology this is this is rural yeah a rural bourgeois ideology here but at the same time you know like a good a good like Marxist analysis would have like an understanding that you know that is still what Andreessen is saying here. You know, they say that you know that we should just you know completely hand ourselves over to the machinations of the market. Only now we're calling it technology, which we're viewing as um, again as something that exists kind of like as this free floating independent thing that isn't related to like labor practices or anything like that. It's just this magic thing. Um, that uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. If, I mean, there are some Marxists nowadays. I'm thinking of um, oh God, what's his name? Uh, uh, Japanese guy who wrote uh, Marx and the Anthropocene. Uh, find that who, uh, yeah, Ko- Kohei Saito, and his his work is very um, almost solar punk. Have you have you seen like the solar punk aesthetic? I have, yes, yes. yeah. Um, but my co-host uh, Eden did a good um, essay on it, and that sounds closer to what Heidegger is talking about than. Um, than and Horowitz and Andreessen is talking about than what Nick Land is definitely what Nick Land is talking about, and probably even closer to than what Marx is talking about. It's yeah, it, it doesn't leave aside the you know a, a, the river can be a river. The river has a value in itself, um, if it, even if it's not turned into a hydroelectric plant, uh, it, it kind of comes up. It's coming up more and more in Marxist. I'm doing air quotes there. Um, uh, discourse, yeah, another load of air quotes. Um, so, but um, yeah, but it's and it's still a billion miles from Andreessen's like basically just Whiggish liberalism and progress and Nick Land's like dystopian idea. Um, I, I mean, personally, Heidegger's. Um, well, not all of his politics, obviously, but his 
his view of things is closer to to mine than um, than Land and uh, Andreessen's. Uh, again, not all of his ideas I, I sign off on. Many <laughs> ideas he's had that I, I would personally uh, not um, not want to co-sign. Yeah, I mean Heidegger's um, <laughs> Heidegger's politics. Eh? Yeah, <laughs> the um, and and um, a lot a lot of what Heidegger's politics are about are like that of like the reactionary aristocratic catholic um philosophy but also but obviously you know this is like the thing that yeah because i i get i've gotten so much out of reading heidegger and i i find something so valuable in in his critique of technology his vision of things of his way of of this suspicion of of the tendency that we have to have these totalizing um projects and so on but it it does come comes alongside the fact that you know like you can't escape you cannot escape from the fact that for a long time like for years heidegger did earnestly believe that the correct political application of his ideas was national socialism and like Mm. at the end of his life he gave um an interview with the spiegel with the instruction that it be published after his death and he says in that interview, um, like the great like challenge is still um, the encounter between historical Dasein and planetary technology. We still need, that is the political question, and I'm not convinced democracy is the answer to it. Um, Though, you know, if you're having fun, you could maybe sort of like from, you know, sort of like a, a communistic perspective, agree with that. Say, well, if we're talking about liberal democracy, then absolutely not. Heidegger is simply right about that. But no, like democracy is not the answer uh, to the crisis of the of the of the collision between planetary technology and historical Dasein. Um, but it would. But, you know, the um, but yeah, yeah, I said that's only if we that's only if we're having fun about what we mean when we say democracy. Um, yes. Uh, but yeah. And um, I remember actually when I was um, when, when, I, when I was when I was when I was doing my master's, there was a uh, there was a conference at my at my university on yeah, Heidegger and technology. And um, one of the speakers there um I forget her name, but she described herself as like an old school, like uh, anarcho-feminist Marxist. And she gave, uh, I found what she said very, very interesting. But one of the, um, she talked at one point about how you could, there's like a, a way you can use ceramic bowls to oxygenate water. And she was offering this as an example of like a more peaceful, uh, respectable, like respectful rather way of like oxygenating water than, you know, doing so on mass in a in, in in a plant or something and i just remember like one of the one of the older academics there who was like a, a former colleague of marcuse just like saying under his breath that um you can't you know you can't clean water for seven billion people with ceramic bowls though hmm. um this yeah. is that would be yeah. the kind of criticism of degrowth and um and uh saito's whole idea of this very um like local, um, well, um, oh, what they call Nick Nick Cernick and um, uh, the other guy in um, <laughs> inventing the future. Yeah, that one. Um, what they call folk politics. That there's very like local, um, organic, down to earth thing. It, yeah, it, it it is probably the case. Yes, that you really can't um, clean water for seven billion people with ceramic bowls, unless everyone has a ceramic bowl. But um, yeah, that um, seems to be the the other uh, an ascendant view of the future in on the left, um, and apparently, especially in Japan, this this book um, Marxian Anthropocene is apparently huge there. Um, it's only just been translated into English, and um, 
it, it is you know, the absolute polar opposite of Land's dystopian idea of the future. It's, yeah, it, it, you could set them against each other and they would be 100% opposites in every single way. And possibly even Heidegger's um, politics are very unlandian. It's, oh, absolutely. Um, it's a- um, like, 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 like I was saying that you know, like Andreessen, there's no interrogation of what technology means in this essay, and you know, when I present mm. with the Heideggerian concept of it, like, like, like Land's response would be would, would be also would be to say like Heidegger was talking bollocks there, like, like there was nothing magic about it, like it, we could be very plain about what technology. It's like he was have a more intelligent view on what it is than like what Chocolat Andreessen has, but like he would still say so. Like, who gives a fuck about being? Like there's a, there's a remark in there's one of the CCRU essays actually um, on the one I think it's one of the ones he co-wrote with Sadie Plum where he says where, where they say rather uh, being died in the Führer bunker you know like this is this is a <laughs> relic of, a, of an older form uh, of, of an outdated philosophical worldview uh, that, that is not not uh, again you know this is um, something that uh, you have in meltdown. Is which is this um, critique of uh, critique of the idea um, in the sense of idos, in the sense of like the of the top down concept image being deployed on the world as a way of organizing and comprehending the world, as opposed to what they call you know uh, what what, what Deleuze and Guattari rather call you know, schizoanalysis, schizoanalytics. Um, you know he um, says that um, in Melbourne he says you know um, K tactics avoids ideas and sticks the diagrams of this you know is this. Um, almost animist view of the set you know this self-organizing potentially the market is one that out will always outstrip our ability as a pri- you know primates to form um image ideas of it in our heads first hmm. well, it, is that um because i know um oh god what's it called that uh, object on orientated ontology and ideas like um fuck what is that what is that term um, speculative realism. Speculative realism. There's, there's a particular term. Ah, uh, fuck. When things are really big and you can't understand them. Or hyper objects. Hyper objects. That's the one. Yeah. Which is just uh, when things are really big and you can't understand them. Yeah, it, I'm, it I'm, absolutely I'm, is. And uh, I have yeah. no. I have no patience for <laughs> or ooh or anything like that. I'm afraid. Yeah, it's um, it is kind of silly concept. Um, but would Nick would so Land would see the techno-capital machine as being like this hyper-object, this thing that is so, like almost like a, a like Platonist idea of a god. It's um, beyond what we can possibly comprehend. It's you know, it's just bigger than anything could possibly be and therefore more yeah. incomprehensible. Yeah, and again, because he does view this as just being kind of like born out of the laws of nature. Like he does just view it kind of like it's just the universe. Ultimately, like, and yeah, and he, and one of his turns of phrase is non, G N O N, um, uh, which stands somehow like for a warps kind of acronym. It stands for uh, um, uh, nature or nature's God, um, which is, um, uh, yeah, it, yeah, and he, and like he, he's deliberately appoints to use theological language to describe it because it is like the, mm. this idea about, you know, like, um, yeah, the dark, the dark god of the cosmos, which is identical with the cosmos, this kind of like brooding Gnostic, um, yeah, like evil Spinoza, head. evil Spinoza, yeah, genuinely evil Spinoza, like, like, <laughs> yeah, genuinely evil Spinoza, um, god or nature, but in but bad, god or nature, bad version, um, worst version, yes, he, yeah, I think that is, um, and again, there's maybe something attractive about, uh, about that because it does feel like there's a certain 
honesty there about like what the limits of human knowledge and our ability to comprehend the universe actually are like again this is why it is such bollocks to call him a techno optimist because he is not because they're all look, like the techno optimist manifesto it's just it's just humanism like it's just a a liberal humanism but just with a little bit more focus on iphones like that's mm. all, all this is. Yeah. it's just so deeply not that that is not what he is about um it is there is nothing optimistic in his vision there is nothing humanistic in his vision it is just you know cthulhu has already woken up he's already eating the world if we're lucky we can maybe live on his back when he doesn't notice like that's it like that that is the option we have um and in order but the only way we can do it is if we are ruthless neo-nazis that's it. Like it's it's it is a monstrous, a monstrous, pessimistic, misanthropic worldview that is completely mm. alien to the Whiggism of this essay. Yeah, I mean, going back to what we said at the start, the, the libidinal aspect of it all. It oh, it just so happens that the laws of nature mean that we have to be dicks to um, gay people and brown people, and of course, in Andreessen's essay, there's the predictable thing about woke. Um, yeah, um, this whole thing about the enemy, ESG, precautionary principle, and so on. Again, it, it just so happens that if we want a good future, that we have to be dicks right now. There's a lot of uh, immense amount in philosophy of, um, and just thinking in general, of um, it just so happens that we need to be assholes. It just so happens that we need to do this thing we really enjoy doing. That's crazy. Wow. Like, yeah, it just so happens that the Germans are the most metaphysical people. And oh, yeah, the, yeah. They, they, have, they have Dyson. And it, yeah, crazy that I was born in the country that that uh, discloses being. <laughs> but, what nuts? I was born in like Argentina or Bhutan or somewhere. And I had to I had to write, oh shit, I'm not actually disclosing being. I'm um, just background character and I'm an NPC. It's so, like so much, so, so much of Heidegger is just this kind of like plain, like chauvinist. Not not even like outside of his Nazism, but just like a, a chauvinistic dumbass nationalism. Like it, like even in like his later later writings, he's talking about sort of like he's, there's a line where he says, "Increasingly, my French colleagues tell me that when they have to think, they think first in German." Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure they totally told him that. That's. Sounds Someone a very true thing. That's real. Yeah. But, um, so, so folks at home, the Andreessen Horowitz essay is very silly. It's it's an it's annoying that this will have infinitely more um, influence on the world than any of the people we've spoken about so far, except Nick Land. It would be a bad thing if he had influence on the world beyond like some weirdos on like 4chan or something um but it last question can nick land's work in the same way that we have left nietzscheans we even have left heideggerians we have left hegelians is there is there a left land possible can can that happen um I, I, I think I might, <laughs> I might, I might say yes, and their name is Mayan. They run Urbanomic. Like, it's, <laughs> um, a left land, like, um, maybe it's. 
I, I think I think yes, ultimately. I think there's um again, like to steal the remark from El Sandifer in her an essay she wrote called My Vagina Was Haunted Notes on Turps, which is a, a great little essay. Oh, she writes yeah. about Mary Daly. And I remember what she writes about her is that um Daly writes a huge amount about what it is to be a woman is to be is to be a being but undergoes metamorphosis as its ordinary form of being, right? To be in a constant state of flux and transformation. That is what the feminine being is. And what Sandifer says when it comes to Daly's like fanatical transphobia, um, is it's like there's one metamorphosis, one transformation too many for her there. You know, so like that, but not that one. Not that not that kind of becoming. And um, she puts it, I just really like this turn of phrase, and I remember, always remember this, that Daly proved herself to be unworthy of her thought with this. And I think you can maybe say something like that of Nick Land, that especially considering, um, you know, sort of like his, his dumbass racist uncle um, views as it is now of like genuinely just like being mad on Twitter about... Um, like Black Lives Matter and 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 all of this, um, that what you see you can see and find in his work. But I think this is why people do still read him and why like he has a lot of trans readers in particular. Like um, um, maybe not a lot, maybe that's an exaggeration, but um, like um, that there have been people who like who have like from a a, a left or at least like a non right wing perspective who have productively engaged with his um philosophy because of its because of its you know its anti-humanism is you know you know this thing that be you know, anti-humanism but what is humanism humanism is you know a, a, you know liberal whiggism ultimately you know like it is an ideology which is very fundamentally tied up with capitalism um that um a, 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 and the, the western liberal world order that in that anti-humanism we could that is something that could be opened up, and in you know his like all of his like passionate ravings about technology, about transformation, about becoming other, about sort of like becoming alien to ourselves. There's a lot in there that could be appealing to a queer person, to a trans person, like this idea of like even like some of the like libertarian stuff of the idea that sort of I will be the pioneer of myself, then of my own being in the world. I will be my own. I will be the pioneer of that. And um, Nick's land and life, who I don't believe tweets anymore but wrote the essay the gender accelerationist black paper which is on you should you'll find if you google it the gender accelerationist manifesto or black paper um that's on um the website vast abrupt which has some similar stuff to this um this um which i'm not, not i i it's been i don't think it's updated anymore and i haven't read everything on there so i'm not saying there isn't like maybe not be stuff on there but maybe isn't okay i i, I don't know i i think it's I, I, i'm certain it's all fine um but uh, and start actually material from some of the material from that is in the grappa dinan book a revolutionary uh, demonology which urbanomic published last year which was written by some very very lovely people um uh who will remain anonymous um and so there are so like whether or not we think these are successful left disengagements with Land's project, I can't say. Um, I'm very, I've become more and more skeptical of the whole um, techno utopian thing in general, regardless of what kind of like stance you, you, you put on it. Like, um, I, I, um, that that's something that's something that I have more and more problems with. Um, but I, th th there are people who have like done 
really good, interesting engagements with his work in the way which is not hateful and bigoted and nasty. Good. Okay, we can we, we'll eventually redeem him. We'll bring him back from China. <laughs> and um that's not like the fuck bit from, from the day to day and sort of like an old an old part and all parties involved had a meeting and they sorted everything all out now. Like, <laughs> it turns out oh, he's fine now. He figured yeah. it out. He's come back to Warwick, back to yeah. Coventry. <laughs> yeah, there's hope for us all. If if we can redeem Nick Land, then um it's like that theology where uh, the last thing that happens in the universe is the devil gets redeemed. Um, I think it's pretty much as close as you can get to the devil on Twitter, at least. Because yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to like star the eyes, the eye in Nick and the A in Land, because he name searches like a maniacal techno cyberpunk from the year 3003. Um, yeah. God, that guy Nate loves to name search himself more than Ricky Gervais almost. Um, so we're going to play out with something so deeply human music um, so, so I, you know not jungle in other words because you know it's not 1992 anymore um, Sean do you know the band Nothing Shoegaze band America uh, I, I don't think I do I don't think I do that's okay no problem do you know the band Full of Hell Thank you. Yeah, full of yeah, angry, um, extremely abrasive, and deeply anti-humanist music. It's difficult to listen to. Must be very difficult to make. Lovely people, really nice, nice guys. Like I, I saw them live a few uh, last year, and when they were playing music for like a minute at a time, it was like being pushed face first into like a meat grinder, and then the music would stop, and the singer would just be. Oh, thanks, guys. Thanks for clapping for us. That's so nice of you. Well, thank you, Manchester. You're a great audience. It was jarring. Um, so Full of Hell and Nothing have collaborated on some music, an album called Spend the Grace, a song called Spend the Grace. There's literally no- nothing. Um, oh, no, there's a, another song on it, maybe. Um, and it's really good, like an insanely good song that's doesn't allow either one to predominate it's just a perfect mixture of this two bands sounds um it is highly abrasive highly slimy and sludgy like full of hell but it's also got that beautiful shoegaziness of nothing that's not like a very like um soft shoegazy thing it's still yeah, it's still got it's still got a little bite to it uh, it's yeah great song so we're going to end out on that one um what we will be doing next on the show, I have not decided. There's many, many books to read, and uh, we will read literally all the books. Um, Sean, you are welcome to come back and help us read all the books today. Point. Um, I would love to read all the books with you guys at some Thank time. you. And uh, thank you for inviting me on, because we have, we've, we've spoken several times in the past about like collaborating in some way or the other. Like, yeah, regrettably, the plans, but... <laughs> <laughs> Um, when when um, Weird Signal wakes up again, because it is a uh, like um, if anything, our defining characteristic now is our um, deep irregularity. But when it comes so, out of this particular phase of dormancy, maybe we, we'll get you on to talk about um, a horrible film. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I love horrible films. Um, 
Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, folks at home, definitely re- go uh, listen to Weird Signal. That's weird with a, M- a W-Y-R-D, uh, like a witch or something. It's spooky Halloween. Um, <laughs> they, did, uh, they did a really good series on uh, fucked America vibes. And uh, can you just, just say for like, 20 seconds fucked america vibes just p- p- pitched it out there because it was such a good series i loved it okay so fucked america vibes is um you live in that you live in a small town in uh in like rural new hampshire it's very dark it's very very snowy the only place to go is the mall in the, the mall there is now very very little there but there is a witch and there is something gay there as well maybe uh that is one mm-hmm. of the particular manifestations of fucked america fucked america is also the um the uh the desert wind blown town with just one uh gas station there where also there was a witch who is probably gay um it's um Yes, Fucked America as opposed to Cursed England vibes is how he puts it. Like Cursed England vibes is the sense that uh, everything has like a has a thin film of fecal matter, uh, uh, fecal matter and paedophilia on it. While in America, Fucked America vibes, um, at the very least, you do have access to a firearm. Oh yeah, there was a brilliant analysis of um, Rob Zombie's music. The early white zombie stuff, which I, I've been like revisiting my my youth musically, and white zombie loomed huge. And in, there was a very good uh, talk on white zombie in there. And uh, if you want more of that, actually, my co-host Lucy, who is the uh, the white zombie, uh, um, like uh, like uh, the, the Rob Zombie fan, um, went on to Horror Vanguard to do a full episode just on. Uh, White Zombie. Um, we did an episode together of Weird Signal. I think that actually might have been the most recent one we did together, which was some months ago now, which was, like, we both talked about several bands we feel like like deliver on the promise of fucked America in different ways. And uh, Lucy then talked at length about uh, Rob Zombie on Horror Vanguard, uh, So and who are also our friends who we love. So uh, mm-hmm. also We, we love them too. So Does also listen know? to Horror Vanguard after yeah, you listen to Weird Signal. After yeah. you listen to because we did come first. Um. <laughs> um, we we we, we uh, predate Horror Vanguard also, but um, yeah, listen to Horror Vanguard, listen to Weird Signal, keep listening to us, obviously, folks. Um, don't listen to Andreessen Horowitz or Nick Land unless you plan to um, save him. Uh, we will pray for him. Yeah, we're, we're pray all pulling for Nick. We know, we know you. you're, we know you're listening because you name search obsessively, and um, yeah, we, we all we all hope you come back to us in Warwick, <laughs> folks. Here is uh, full of hell and nothing. <laughs>